The Lord be with you. Together let us pray the prayer for elimination. How incredible is your grace, O God. We have been made new in your love and reconciled to you and each other in peace and joy. Be with us this day as we hear your words of comfort and hope. A reading from the book of Joshua, the fifth chapter, beginning at verse 9. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt, and so that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover in the evening on the fourteenth day of the month in the plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover... On that very day they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and roasted grain. The manna ceased on the day they ate the produce of the land, and the Israelites no longer had manna. They ate the crops of the land of Canaan that year. Word of God, word of life.
The gospel lesson from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Listen with me for the word of God. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property on dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never even given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. A guy walks into a restaurant with his dog, a fancy restaurant, and they're greeted by the maitre d' who immediately says, hold on a second, you're not allowed to bring that dog into this restaurant. The guy says, oh, but you don't understand. This is a special dog. He can speak. The maitre d' looks down at the dog and thinks, that dog can't talk. The guy says, I'll prove it to you. He looks down at the dog and says, all right, buddy. Tell me, what part of my mouth is this that's right above my tongue? And the dog responds, roof. (laughs) Good job, boy. Okay, next question. 
this building that we're in, what do you call that part that's above our head? Right there. The dog replies, roof. Good job, boy. Okay. Who's the greatest baseball player of all time? Roof. At that point, the maitre d' was just fed up and said, that's it, enough of you. Out you go. The guy and the dog are kicked out of the restaurant and they make that long walk back to their home. The guy looks down at the dog. Dog looks up at the guy and says, I knew I should have said Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> that dog knew who he was. And the guy knew who the dog was. I'm wondering, do we know who we are? On this first Sunday in the year 2024, we are reminded through our baptism of God's claim on our life. And then we are invited to join in the sacrament of Holy Communion to be fed by God's very own presence in Jesus, his life sacrificed for us. We have a sacramental faith, and it's a faith that is given to us. It's nourished on our behalf through the ministry of the church. And the word that helps us to hold it all together is the word grace. So today and throughout the month of January, we will be reflecting upon the themes and scriptures found in Bishop Ken Carter's book, Unrelenting Grace. If you haven't picked up a copy, would love to help you to get one. I'm told that the Seeker Sunday School class may have a few extra they would be happy to share with you. It's, as you can tell, a, a thin book, but difficult to read because God's grace challenges us, perhaps in ways that we don't want to be challenged. Because God's grace names who we are. The scripture passage that we just heard, one of Jesus' parables, is one of the parables that Bishop Carter connects to, to help us understand the beauty and glory of God's grace. Now, this is likely a parable you've heard before, oftentimes known as the parable the parable of the prodigal son, but sometimes called the parable of the father and two sons. Perhaps you've heard this before about the father who um, had a, a massive amount of wealth and he had these two sons. Now, you need to know this is a, a longer parable, longer than some of Jesus' others. If you're looking for a Bible passage to study in a Sunday school class, in a small group setting. This is a wonderful passage to study because it's rich with so much detail. And the more you dig into the historical context, the more it comes to life. This morning, I want us to focus on the relational aspect of the father and the two sons. The father and the two sons. The younger of the two said, hey, dad, how about you just go ahead and give me what I got coming to me when you die someday? Remarkably, the father agrees and gives him what we could understand to be a generous amount of money that he then takes, goes to another place, and he wastes in what the Bible calls dissolute living. 
a vague term, but we know what it means for someone to make bad choices. One bad choice leads to another bad choice. And then the person tries to cover up. They try to make excuses, which leads to another bad choice and another bad choice. And before you know it, they're at the end of their rope. And that's what happened to this son. He was out of money, and the last resort of all things, feeding the pigs. Jesus was purposeful in including this detail because you know these are unclean animals. And the ancient Jews would have nothing to do with the pigs, but that's where this person was. That's how low his life had become. And remarkably, during this time, he came to his senses, and he said, my father's servants have so much more, but I was actually one of his, his own. And then he did something remarkable. He humbly decided to go home, hoping that he would be welcomed back. And of course, he was. The father was there with his arms wide open, ready to forgive him, ready to love him, and to welcome him home. But remember, there was another son. For many of us, when we learned this parable, that's where our memory seems to shut off, at the part where the son was welcomed home. But we need to remember, Jesus kept on talking. There was more for us to learn. And it has to do with the other son, who was out in the fields working very hard, diligently, loyally, following all of the commands. Was he happy that his brother was welcomed home? Happy to have him back? No, far from it. He had resentment against his brother. The father said to the older son, hey, you need to come in and join the party. Dad... You didn't even give me a goat to have a party with my friends, and I've been right here with you the whole time. I've been loyal, hardworking. Why should I come in and celebrate that son of yours? In other words, says the older son, I'm the real son. The father's response is striking. He says, he was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. I think that you and I ought to connect in some level with both sons. Because we have been welcomed home already. I wonder, though, are we sometimes like the other son? Arms folded, backs turned, Anger, rage, resentment, unwilling to open our arms to welcome others. This is a story about God's grace. God's grace found in the forgiveness that God extends to the whole world. As Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
You see, the invitation to come home is for everybody. The invitation to come home is for everybody. A person needs to take that step toward home. But when they do, they can be assured in God's loving embrace will they receive ours. When we talk about God's grace, we are clear to say that it's for all people. We struggle with this, don't we? We're happy to be the recipients of God's grace. And every once in a while, we're happy for people who are like us to also receive the gift. But what about others? Within the Wesleyan tradition, we believe that God's grace is active within every person's life, even before they realize it. This is God's prevenient grace. As Bishop Carter writes in his book, we have a traditional faith, meaning it's been given to us. We have received it as a gift from the tradition. We didn't create it. We didn't think of it by ourselves. And we stand within this tradition receiving the gift that has been given. And because we are so completely dependent upon the gift, God is, by definition, generous, abundant in giving what we need. And if God is abundant in giving, then we are called not only to come home, but to welcome others who come home. And so when people experience God's prevenient grace and they choose to come home, when they say yes to Christ, they are then experiencing God's justifying grace when they are made right with God through the grace of Jesus Christ. And then they are set on a path of sanctifying grace that through the power of the Holy Spirit, they become more holy, more capable of loving God and loving neighbor. You've been welcomed home. Are you ready to welcome others? I pray that you are. When we reaffirm our baptismal covenant, we celebrate God's grace at work within us and at work within the ministry of the church. You may remember the moment you were baptized. There may have been somebody else who made the decision on your behalf when you were an infant. And then there came a time for you to confirm that faith. However the sequence of events went down for you, the point is that God's grace made it happen. God is the one who was active in your life. God is the one who brought you to this moment. God's grace is both God's presence and God's power. And in many ways, we can think of it as a unique part of speech. It's a noun, but it's an action noun. Now think back to your English class, high school, middle school. You remember learning about verbs being either passive or active? Typical example of a passive verb would be to be. To be, just passive verb. But an active verb These are the things that we do. Action. For example, 
if I were to talk about Phil Conrad going on a bicycle ride. He is cycling through the city. To cycle is a verb. If I were to think about Lacey in a gymnastics competition or a cheer competition, and she's doing a backhand spring. Do you know how to do a backhand spring? Okay, I figured that she did. <laughs> Jumping, running. To jump is a verb, an action verb. Grace is an action noun. It is God's presence and power, not passive, but moving. Moving into your life, through your life, into the world where there is pain and hurting and sorrow to bring about healing. And by your baptism, you have been made part of this covenant to be a part of God's grace active in this world. I invite you to turn to page 50 in your United Methodist hymnal, and together we will affirm our baptismal covenant. Page 50, and I invite you to stand as we join together. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Through the reaffirmation of our faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism, acknowledge what God is doing for us, and affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? According to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? Let us join together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Turning to page 52. Remember your baptism and be thankful. The Holy Spirit work within you that having been born through water and the Spirit, you may live as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us rejoice in the faithfulness of our covenant God. We give thanks for all that God has already given us 
as members of the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we will faithfully participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, the God of all grace, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may live in grace and peace. Please be seated. 